Business Bros is your show, where small business professionals just like you come to tell their stories. This podcast is for those who understand the number one rule in business, which is to be of service to others. Learn how today's professionals generate leads, what's working on social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of those who are out there doing the real work. And now let's welcome your hosts, Hernan C.S., the real estate bro with eXp Realty, the cloud-based brokerage where top producers reign, and James C.S., the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, making sure you are covered because there's a lot riding out there. And now here are the business bros. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. <laughs> can't, I can't hit the high notes. Can't hit the high notes. Why not? Do it. Sorry, man. We, we gotta try. We gotta try. <laughs> It's all good. It's yeah, all good. I've gotten better over the over the uh, time that we've been doing it. So now it's just a, a reflex. I mean, I'm right? at karaoke every week, so you know I gotta hit those high notes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm I'd just hate kidding. to be in your houses when you're just practicing. <laughs> <laughs> a whole different world. My wife's probably oh, yeah. fed up with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> But you do get the kids to uh, sing along. That's pretty great. Yeah, the kids do it all the time. Nice. That's pretty cool, though. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the podcast. uh, Not in the podcast studio. We came to... We're in Carlsbad, right? Yeah. We're in Carlsbad to uh, visit with Mr. Steve Werner, right? Close. Steve Werner. Werner. I've been called worse. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) How do you You, know? You know exactly how that feels, Nan. I do. (laughs) So my name is Hernan Cias. It's wow. H e r n a n. So my name's been butchered oh, yeah. time and time again. I'm used to it. That's all good, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. Well, anyways, we're here because uh, Mr. Ryan Lipsy. Yes. He said you are an amazing individual with plenty to share with the world, and we should get you on the show. That's really cool of him. He's uh, he's one of those connector guys. He's you know? definitely one of those connector guys. Yeah. Uh, the man is so he's. Very super generous guy. So just a shout out to you, Ryan, because honestly, you just you keep thinking about people and making things happen for them because of you and Haley. So rock on, boys and girls. Yeah, and they keep doing it. Every single post I see, yep. every single uh, thing that they're doing is always about somebody else. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. Yes, and and it's one of those testaments to uh, when you're out there doing something selfishly, it doesn't work out but when you're doing it selflessly yeah it always comes around i i would say something always finds you when you're thinking about yourself always will find you to destroy it always derail it whenever you've got yourself in mind as first place something usually comes along and pays you a nice visit that's true yeah well let's contrast that a little bit yet we always want to set goals yes yep Setting goals is, is one thing, but when you're thinking about what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, I don't know whose goals those are. They're definitely yours, but they don't yes. usually jive with anybody else, you know? So it's hard to get from point A to point B if you're always thinking about yourself because, let's face it, we live in a world where relationships are currency. You, um, to, to take that to another level, I feel... Uh, I'm super blessed in this business because my phone will just light up with a text or a call or something and it's a referral. You know, so much of my business comes from referral and referrals don't happen if you're thinking about what's in it for me. You have to serve other people in order for them to go, you really need to call Steve. And they're like, well, why? You just, you need to call him. And I'll really have like past clients 
or like vendors that I work with do that. You just have to call them. Well, I've got somebody, just trust me. It's okay if you have somebody, make that call, have that conversation, and then make a decision. So I really have people that fight for me, and it, I mean, it's just one of those things that I'm super grateful for. You can't do that being selfish. No, you can't. And, and no. you know, there's always people who will, uh, who will be your friends. There are people who will kind of be around you and tolerate you, but it, it's a huge testament to who you are and what you put out when somebody says something like that. So yeah. somebody says, you need to call him. Somebody's willing to yes. refer you. Yes. So how do you get there? Dude, that's like, uh, that, that's the, the magic formula with the crystal ball, right? It is, right? right? It is. And uh, uh, a lot of it, honestly, is really taking that self-centered piece away. And um, there's there's an incredible coach. Have you heard of Michael Mayer before, Seven Levels of Communication? Mm-mm. So he's a real estate coach. Uh, he still has like an active brokerage, and he's not even present. He's like in a different state. But everything he does is by referral. And there's an acronym called uh, FORD, Family, Recreation, Occupation, and Dreams, yes, right? Yes, FORD script. But he changed that to FROG, Family, Occupation, Recreation, and Goals. And he likes to get into other people's goals because when you help somebody else reach a plateau, a milestone, an unbelievable moment. They're internally grateful. Absolutely. Forever and ever. So... When you literally help people accomplish their goals selflessly and you're putting them at the forefront instead of yourself, you just have to trust the result will take care of you. Focus on the result. And the result is focusing on that individual or family or whatever it is. When you focus on that and people see that, you can smell genuine. Would you agree? Yeah, 100% you can smell genuine. So when you smell genuine and genuine really is what's at the forefront, then that experience for them is memorable because, and I'll ask you this, how often do you honestly have people do that for you? It's rare. Right. It's very rare. It's a rarity. But when you embrace that and you make it yours and that's how you decide to live, and we're all human. Like, Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I'm not 100% all the time. I'm human. But 90 some odd percent, I'm in that zone. I'm just working to take care of others. And you do that often enough, long enough, and the referrals just start coming in. You know, it's funny because <clears throat> I grew up in a world where um, my family didn't have much. And I grew up around other people who didn't have much. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes with that kind of mentality, that kind of family, um, that kind of just atmosphere, it's always like if I do something, I need to get paid. Yeah. If I do something, you know, there's something that's got to come my way. It's a tit for tat, yeah. you know, in that kind of world and it's hard to transition you know when when i you know luckily my own core family my parents are very very giving um but it's not something that transitions to everybody so when i do a lot of things like like that like our podcast everybody says you know how do you make money off the podcast well i i don't i just come out and i get to hear people's stories and learn from them and they get to get their information out what's wrong with that but trying to transition that and trying to trying to explain that to people is very very difficult um they <clears throat> well well the people that you know my core family it's it, it's just not something that they can internalize sure how do you get that across you know when when it's going to take six months a year two years of just giving for something to look like it's coming back so first things first, let, let's <coughs> let's start with the feeling, right? Okay. So when you're always thinking about yourself, what does that feel like? 
isolated really right and when you're just okay i'm gonna you know yeah i'm gonna do this for you but first of all we got to talk about what's in it for me right how much are you paying me how much you when you have those kinds of conversations what does that do as far as the relationship that you're creating with that person that you're talking about for what's in it for you it's very transactional it's transactional it's distancing it doesn't really allow you to engage Mm -hmm. so those types of things when that's like first foremost and paramount in the conversation and that's what's setting the dialogue and the future of your transaction with that person that's all it's going to be period it's going to end when the transaction ends and then you're always hunting you're always hunting for the new one right like don't get me wrong i'm always hunting but i'm not afraid to hunt because of what i've set up that i know will be coming in i don't think about when it just happens Mm -hmm. right so when you start to identify and embrace that feeling of man this you know because it doesn't feel right when you're always doing it for yourself. Or if you do, then you're, it's like this myopic view of life and you're surrounding yourself with people that probably aren't your friends. You've got these broken relationships. You've got people that you're just using for company or other things like that. But when you're taking care of people, when you're legitimately looking after them, dude, you get invited to dinners. They'll think about you for different things. They'll just, they'll even see something online and send you an article. Mm-hmm. and go, I thought this could be beneficial to you. It's like, what? How, how, why am I in your mind? So it, it really does take time. Nobody can tell you how much time it takes. But if you're worried about how much time it takes, then you're transactional again. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that's 100% correct. You just have to let it go. You know, Do your work. Care about the other people. Do what's right for them. And let me tell you, they will do what's right for you. I have people that are serial referrers to me. Serial refers. I have somebody else. I'm like, okay. Thank you. you. Know, right? Yeah. And I'm always grateful when I get those. I'm pretty emotional, actually. I get really <laughs> emotional when, when people do that, when they step out of their way for me. Yeah. Right? Who am I? Why? So I, I, I never take any of those for granted, ever. Not, none of them that come, that come my way. What are the types of, I mean, I'm, I'm, what are the types of things that you do to, you know, show your appreciation I mean, not everything, you know, a lot of people, when I ask that, they'll say, oh, I sent them a referral, like a referral fee. But not everything, especially if you have a good relationship with somebody, needs to be monetarily paid for. I almost feel like that kind of changes it transactionally. Not that you don't send referral fees. I'm sure, you know, those are nice, too. But what other types of things could help enhance a relationship like that and kind of make it better? As simple as it sounds, man, like see that behind you? See all all those writings on the door? Yeah. Those are people that are either in my sphere or past clients. And I mean, it might not sound like much, but when you follow up 30 to 40 times a year with people, some by video, some by phone calls, some by inviting them to events, just just not letting them go after the transaction for some people is more than enough. Because in a real estate transaction, you get so deep into their world in 30 days. Mm -hmm. Get to know the husband and wife, if it's a husband and wife. Get to know their children, understand their needs and goals. You're fighting for them during the transaction. You make things happen for them and they're super grateful. So there's so many events, like so many peaks, particular valleys, bring them back to the peak again, show them that you were in it for them. Tell them, you know, hey, this isn't working. You may want to consider walking away from this one and we'll find you something else. And when you can legitimately speak from beyond a commission standpoint, they are eternally grateful. So getting through to people is not a challenge. 
being mindful of what it takes to get through to people is what very, very few of us recognize. And all we want is to be heard, acknowledged, understood, and taken care of. So when my clients tell me what's up, okay, I'm listening, I'm not texting, I'm paying attention, I'm making mental notes. When we're going through everything so that they understand that I, I can acknowledge everything that's important to them, then I recycle the information and ask them, is, is that it? Yeah, oh, you heard me, that's per- oh yeah. Right. It's for, for clarification purposes. Exactly. Like I heard what exactly. you said and yes. I'm acknowledging yes. this is what you're looking for. Yep. And then, so you've showed them what you're going, you know, that you know what's up. And then to demonstrate you're going to take care of them, you explain how you're going to do all of those things. I'm going to set you up with a lender. We're going to create this search. My assistant's going to be here for anything that you need. So text, call, or email whenever you need. Typical business hours, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit later. But based on a few other things, I just wanted to make a couple of suggestions and I would definitely look at doing it this, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And when you do that for people and then you go to war for them, because I'm not gonna lie, going going in a real estate transaction, so many people think it's just a breeze. You put up a sign, you sell your house, or you walk into one and they like it and it's done. Man, that's not even the starting line, right? So when you show people how you go to war for them, and you take care of everything and you protect them and you're you're looking after their best interests and then you get across the finish line and they're not only extremely happy but they become raving fans that's how the referrals start happening and then of course they end up on your wall and you don't stop there you don't i mean that's just the beginning <clears throat> i tell people i have a really bad habit of becoming great friends with the people i work with <laughs> that's right? a great bad habit that's, to have that's what i tell them <laughs> like what i'm like well we're literally going to be talking communicating, going through things emotionally. We're going to have to figure things out. We're going to have to renegotiate the property after inspections happen. There's a lot we have to do together. So all of us, we're going to be pretty tight. And after 30 days or however however long it takes for the escrow to close, it's like you go through withdrawal. You know, mm-hmm. All of a sudden that stops. Somebody who's paying attention to you, who is there asking you questions, who is constantly calling you, it's over. It, it's over, right? So how do you make sure it isn't <clears throat> over? And that's how all, all of that secondary part of my business model, by being there for them, who's going to manage your largest asset? Well, I am. I don't go anywhere. You have questions? Don't hesitate to reach out. Something broke? Call me for a contractor. I'm going to be sending you monthly uh, videos about what the market's doing. I'm going to be sending you monthly videos as to the events in San Diego. I'm going to reach out to you quarterly and let you know of the events that we have going on so you can come and enjoy our activities, whether it's Easter, photos with Santa, Thanksgiving, like different things that we put on. And we want to have this environment so that I I become more than a real estate broker. You want to know anything and everything? Call me. I have a massive Rolodex. People just reach out. It doesn't have to be real estate related. Hey, who do you know for this? Hey, can you suggest something for that? So I become an instrumental piece of their life. And for me, I love that. Yeah, that's funny because I I feel the exact same way. I was talking to to James on the way over here and I was saying, you know, one of the things I I feel when I look in the mirror is I'm almost like people call me for the most random things that they think for whatever reason I'm an expert on or I know mm-hmm. or, or, or I may not even know I might have to google it myself that sure. they could have done themselves but that they reach out to me to get an answer that to me means a lot more 
then oftentimes just the, the commission itself, the fact that you look up to me for or you look me up for anything that you're thinking of me when you have a problem. I, I, I really do like that that feeling that, you know, yeah. I'm I'm needed. And I feel like the way that I get there is is by letting them know that there's times when I need them. Right. When I'm I'm here for them. Yeah. And and both, you know, both of them tend to collide in some sense in, in that in that world of of, hey, I'm here for you. You're here for me. And we went to war together. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> excuse me, man. Oh, oh oops. Well, we had a mild earthquake. Mild earthquake. <laughs> Ooh, breaking stuff. All right. Let's see. I'll fix that later. <laughs> wow! First party foul. All right. The uh, screen is down there still. Yeah, it's okay. We'll finish out the show like this. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you listening, I, I literally dropped my mic. It, it tumbled all the way to the floor. Not in the good way. Not in a good way. I did no. not drop the mic in a good way. <clears throat> all right. So speaking of going to war. Right, <laughs> thing your, your mic has gone to battle. My mic has officially gone to battle with no uh, sound screen. All right, oh, we'll fix that later. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of war, none, none of that was paused or edited. By the way, <laughs> yeah, none of that. You <laughs> no, know, why? 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 We love the authenticity. Exactly. That's, that's so speaking of, of some war. <laughs> Tell me some of the some of the battles that you've uh, you've gone through for your client. Um, where you know earlier today we were having our motivational Monday for our insurance agents, and I was having this conversation with an agent saying, you know, in this situation the client might not be purchasing this policy, but you need to come in and you need to explain, you know, what they might benefit from, what they might lose, and where they're, you know, figure out where they want to go and explain that to them and. Even if they don't buy, you're providing answers and you're providing value to them. And later down the road, when they have questions, they're going to come to you. Yeah. Later down the road, when they need that particular thing, they'll come down to you. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily mean this deal is going to happen. Correct. So when when have you had something like that where you had to have a client like, hey, time to walk away. Like, I know this sucks. We're, you know, 11th hour, but this is not going to pan out. How do, how do you walk somebody who's on that emotional roller coaster and you know kind of come out on top rather than looking like the agent who messed it up right well the first thing is is clarity like in the beginning you have to understand what they want that's why i was saying everybody wants to be heard acknowledged understood and taken care of in the very beginning whenever i sit down with somebody i go through my series of questions so i need to understand what's paramount what do you want out of this experience so it's up to the professional to really gauge what do they need, right? Not always just what do they want, but what do they need? Because what we want doesn't always transpire, but there are certain needs that we need out of a transaction. So when we're going through something, depending on if we have, and, and there was, um, there uh, this, this was a brutal transaction I went through last year for one of my buyers, and it's when the market was at its peak. I mean, absolute pinnacle of when multiple offers, inventory was low, everybody was freaking out, trying to get a property. And we had a relationship with the listing agent. And there were, I think, 10 or 12 offers in on the property already. 
And we were a contingent buyer. We weren't even <laughs> like straight up. Yeah. <laughs> so I had uh, I had the house under contract for them already. So we pre-listed and then contingent upon finding suitable housing. And then they were really just set on this one particular property. And it was a trust sale. So there were a few parties involved. And let me tell you, when the market is such that there's 10, 12 offers and you're the seller, you're in a pretty power nice position, position, right? Yeah. So um, what I had done was I had set up our offer with an escalation clause that was built in. So for those of you that don't know what an escalation clause is, for easy numbers, if it was a $500,000 property, and let's say we offered 505 because it was so competitive, I'm gonna have a clause that if anybody beats 505 net, like not they're putting their commissions in and, and the gross number shows 505, but the net number is greater, we're gonna trigger uh, something that raises our price by 1500, two grand, 2500, whatever I put in. But I put a ceiling in this one. For some reason, I put a ceiling. So we would not pay more than $10,000 over and above appraised value. And this property came in, I think, 22,000 under our, uh, our offer, right? So there was also a request for repairs going on at the very same time. And because the seller was in such a power position, they would hardly negotiate. And it's stuff that was fair, but they were being hyper unfair. And because they could. Because they could, but still, I mean, it's just yeah. a point of being reasonable, right. right? Honestly, there's just a point of being reasonable. And they were being unreasonable all the way. So during our negotiations, the appraisal came back. And I saw the appraisal come back low. So in order to protect my client's best interest, because I knew that I was fighting an uphill battle on these requests for repairs, I didn't let the other side know that the appraisal came back low because we were still within our time periods. <laughs> so only after, in writing, when I had everything negotiated for and signed off on, did yeah, I drop the, the appraisal? Because <laughs> you're not gonna go 10 grand beyond, Oh, right? dude, and let me tell you, because I was telling my client, can I swear on, on Yeah, here? yeah. I was like, dude, the shit is gonna hit the fan, <laughs> and I'm gonna get covered in it. And he's like, you think? I'm like, I, I know. <laughs> so in this going to war, I was basically in an armored vehicle, like with a full flak jacket, you know, with fire <laughs> retardant on me. And, uh, and it got pretty hairy. But, you know, that's why we get hired. We get hired to shield and deflect our clients, but also protect them and bring clarity to the process. And, you know, in the end the listing agent do what they may you know it was what they it's what they, they signed to, off on yeah and it was an oversight on on their behalf because they didn't advise their seller beforehand hey we're going through this this is where they've got their you know their their escalation clause and an appraisal that's our responsibility to remember right it's not my responsibility to tell the other said hey by the way do you remember that wouldn't you yeah, know hey. that's not my responsibility so, you know, in, in going through different events like that, you have to let your client know what's up, what's going on, express what you feel is going to happen through experience. I knew they weren't going to really work with me on, on the request for repairs because of all the posturing that they were already doing. 
So I had to have a different strategy so that I could save my client. If, if, if I, I would have, you know, um, told them about the appraisal at the same time as we were doing the request for repair, no way on God's green earth would I have been able to negotiate from a horrible position, but still find an advantage. It's a strategic move. Very strategic. So, Genius yeah. move, by the way. I, I appreciate <laughs> that, but you know, but that's why we get hired. Yes. So I work my ass off to be tactical. I don't work my ass off to just make my calls and show up. I'm always thinking about negotiation strategies because negotiation uh, negotiations is where it's at. That's what get, gets a deal done. Being a voice of reason, being calm within the storm, being able to bring emotional levels back down to logical levels. That's what I tell my clients. I'm like, as your buyer representative right now, my job is to keep you from emotion. I need to, to keep you in logic. For my sellers, I tell them my job is, everybody that walks through that door, is for me to take them out of a logical thought on, does this house work? To create a mindset of, I, I need to have it and get them into emotion because we do a logical things in an emotional state. Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. So that deal, um, that listing agent wasn't happy. No. <laughs> oh, he was, he lost it. And he's a top performer. Like he's a big time broker. And I outmaneuvered him. But that's, that's you know. That's the name of the game. That's, I don't like to do that because I don't want to tarnish my name with other brokers that I'm going to have to work with again. But at the same time, I mean, it's not my responsibility to see that coming. Right. I just It's did. a life lesson. It's a life lesson for right. yeah for, for everybody involved. Did you know the appraisal was going to come in lower? No. Did you have a clue? No. I didn't think it was going to come in that low, honestly. We really didn't. Yeah. But at the same token, you know, hey, I had, I had my trigger. I knew that my client was willing to pay more then. Mm -hmm. And I set up the, the escalation clause with a cap. So I did my job. Even I learned something on that one. That was good. Right. That was good. Yeah, because I never so. thought of that. I mean, I, I know uh, the house I'm living in now, um, I had a situation where it came on the market. And I knew based on the area, because I had been looking in that area for a while, that it was way overpriced. Mm -hmm. So I came in with a full price offer, of course, contingent on appraisal. Sure. And I knew the appraisal was going to come in lower. And so, you know, I had, but I had spoken to the agent ahead of time. And I was like, hey. I know this is a situation. I was like, if you ever, if you ever get the opportunity to come to my place, like I have a view of, I mean, from IB to downtown, like I can, it's beautiful spot. So I know they were banking on, on the view, but it's kind of hard to put a monetary value on something like that. And, and even the views like appraiser to appraiser to appraiser will give a different valuation for a view. Right. Right. And so it's, it's just one of those things where you're right. It's a negotiation tactic. It's something that you're just... You're looking at the entire picture, yep. and you're trying to take the emotion away and look at a logical, strategic way to get them from point A to point B. Yeah, that's uh, I'm impressed. <laughs> and this Amen. is why you uh, you end up being a number one. You just <laughs> you know it's just a lot of work, you know. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, and let me tell you, there's lessons I had to learn right through failure, through through messing up, through costing me money. One of the first deals I ever did um, when when I first started in real estate, when I was like 23, I think this is my first or second year, I wrote in all appliances instead of fridge, stove, washer, dryer, dishwasher. And all appliances is a very ambiguous statement. So they took a couple. <laughs> so I had to pay for a couple. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, yeah what well, you assumed all appliances right? to be. Right. 
and yeah, I left you all of them. Right. What what's an appliance? Sure, I left I left you all these appliances. Yeah. And and the uh, the shitty part was that the listing agent was my neighbor. He was a. <laughs> it's always the ones <laughs> you least expect. <laughs> yep, I remember. I'm like Abe. He's like, well, you know, it's and. But see, that's one of those things, right? Like you, you know, I mean, in this example where you were talking about the contingency, uh, you, you were on the upper end, but you've been on the low end. Oh, sure. A few times. You need there, to the learn. Ol- the only reason why you were you even knew about the escalation or you even knew about the strategy is because you've either been around in a transaction that had it. You learned from a broker who, you know, happened to teach you that yep. or it happened to you. Right, I mean that's that's really what it comes down to. How totally. Else, I mean, I, you can relate it to playing a video game. The first time you play, you're going to be horrible at it. Yes. But as you learn, as you maneuver, as you move around, you start to learn how things operate, and yeah. you just get better and better. And it's kind of the same way with with real estate. There's a level of proficiency that comes. Absolutely. Like, it's. Um, uh, let me ask you this question. As far as and you said you're you know you're dealing primarily in insurance, but other than buying mm-hmm. your house, have have you bought more? Or sold yeah, more? yeah. I'm I'm oh. actually with EXP also. Okay, so you're so yeah, yeah. But I don't do as many transactions. So I'm the insurance right. bro. He's the insurance bro. Okay. So yeah, we. But yeah, yeah. So with when you're doing a a real estate transaction, a lot of agents are afraid to actually do like the sale and the purchase of one because they don't know how to write up the contract even for wording, right? Even though they've got this other clause in there contingent on finding suitable housing, they don't know what to do or if they get one that's like that and how to protect their seller, maybe put it in a seller's clause. There's just so many things that you can do and play with with the agreement other than just a purchase contract and a listing contract. But all the addendums are the wordings that you put in, right? To protect the whole transaction. So a lot of sellers are worried about being homeless if they want to go find a house. And if an agent doesn't know how to articulate what they're going to do in order to protect them, that's what I tell my clients, mm-hmm. then they're going to feel lost. And that, that lost feeling, if they're not going to be excited, if they can't go into the emotional part of, I'm so, I, I can't wait to like, I can't wait to do this. It's if they're, right, if they're just hesitant. So you have to know all of these things so you can have these legit conversations with your clients and make them feel not only comfortable with what's about to happen in the process, but you can explain it in a way that they can visualize right. what's it's about not to happen. Enough to know the situation, you have to be able to articulate yes. what your what your plan of action is. So they can see it. And if they can see it, then they can believe it. Then the right? excitement level goes up. Exactly. So like when, when things are described to people in detail, you can visualize. If somebody isn't allowing you to visualize because they don't know how to describe it, then you're going to feel uncertain all the way through the the process. So, I mean, when when you can articulate things because you know, and when you can make suggestions that the consumer doesn't know or the average agent doesn't know, and you can just layer that on to your professionalism, those people don't want to go anywhere else. They're like, you've got my back. Yeah, Hernan, you got my back. That, that's the thing. Visualizing so important. Mm-hmm. Um, it could work for you or against you. <laughs> my my wife for the longest time, she didn't like to watch horror movies. Like anything that was a scary movie, she would like close her eyes. And I was like, you have to watch it because if you close your eyes, you don't know what happens, and your imagination runs wild. Oh yeah, it makes it worse. And that's kind of one of those things where if you can't articulate, if they can't visualize what's going to happen, 
their imagination will go wild. Well, what if I don't find a home? What if, uh, you know, what if we close? Now we have like a two-week gap. What are we going to do? Are we going to live in a hotel? What's yeah. the hotel gonna, like you're letting their imagination take it to a place that might not be the case if you can't articulate what you're Absolutely. trying to explain. Well, how long have you been selling real estate? Uh, four years. Okay. So what are some of the challenges that you face in this business? When we were first getting started? Even today. Even, well, you know what? Today, probably not so much. Today's become more of a referral okay. business. And I think it's because I did exactly what you're describing. And I stopped trying to sell somebody mm-hmm. and started building relationships. And the the greatest uh, one I had just this week, I was uh, walking to the restroom at school because I teach in the morning. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hi. I was walking to the restroom and somebody came up to me and said, hey, can you sell my house for me? <laughs> and you're like, uh-huh. Yes, of course. Right? <laughs> Walking back, and then I heard another one. Hey, um, such and such told me that you're the guy to come to the, to help buy a place. Same day, right? That kind of stuff didn't happen at the beginning of my career. It was like I'm picking up the phone. I'm like, Hey, are you interested in selling? I'm picking up the phone. Hey, are you interested in selling? It wasn't the same thing. I spent some time building relationships, and it's come. It's it's totally different. Yeah, you just went through the numbers in the beginning, right? It was. It was. Tr- Churn and burn, churn yeah, and burn. without knowing the value of what you actually had to offer. Because you didn't know your value yet either. Right. So, yeah, that's what I find fascinating. That's why so many people in this business leave this business is because they don't know how to bring value because it's so layered. There's so many things in this business. First, you have to understand your contract, right? Okay, what is this all about? Then you have to start working with somebody. And then you have to really know how to qualify them so that you really have that somebody. <laughs> and then if it's a buyer, you have to invest the time to find them what's right for them. And once you do, then that's only the beginning, right? Okay, we're in escrow. Okay, great. Yeah, I know you haven't bought a house yet. Oh my God, I thought about it. No, you didn't buy anything. And then you walk them through the whole process and then you bring that clarity. And they're like, oh. And I give every buyer or every seller a flow chart of what the process is going to look like, period. Here's where I am. Here's where my assistant is. Here's the process. This is exactly what's going to happen throughout. So now they have clarity again, where I have to learn, like, to, to never take anything for granted because there was even an older client of mine that when she got a home inspection and the inspector asked for payment, she's like, I uh-huh. have to pay for that, right? <laughs> and I blame myself. Yeah. I, even though it's so trivial and it's so simple, I still blame myself. Y- you didn't let your client know that this was something that comes out of pocket during the transaction. I made an assumption, right? right? So I never assume anymore. I just can't. Because if I assume, that means I've only quenched what I thought I needed to know. But I have no idea what's going on in somebody else's head. That's no funny. idea. I mean, that's that's a, ped- what a pedagogy. The, uh, oh, the, sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's how people learn, right? And so uh, it's one of those things where when I teach uh, an incoming freshman, when I teach math, for example, things that I've taught for years... All of a sudden, if I'm trying to explain it to somebody, like if they've seen it before, mm-hmm. making that assumption, they're never going to get it. You have to really go back to the basics and explain every little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, you skip because you you think because you've been doing it so often that you cheat that person of you know getting an understanding or having an expectation yeah. of what's going to happen during the transaction. We take it for granted. We, we take do. our knowledge for granted. We do. Yeah. But we all as humans do. Yes. We all become really good at whatever it is that we're doing. But we expect others to know. Yes. And that's that's the flaw, right? So, you know, thankfully none of that's happened in a very long time. 
But even when things do, I'm like, okay, because things will still creep up that mm -hmm. I, like, I never would have thought of that. But you have to, or anticipate, or at least be ready to apologize for. Yeah. You know? So that's the other thing is just being humble in the process. Well, that was one thing that you said was, you know, you, you took accountability for it. You, yes. know, you said it was my fault. And that's, that's another thing that it's one of those, I don't know, maturity levels, I guess, where you become, you know, self, you, you, you understand that almost everything is your fault. If something went wrong, you can point a finger everywhere. But it just kind of makes you look incompetent as soon as you start pointing at what well, was their fault. It was their fault. It was their fault. Yeah. Instead of just taking an accountability, look, look, I messed up. You know, I, I should have told you ahead of time. Yeah, it was my mistake. I, it won't happen again. Yeah. Right. And that's that I think is a maturity level because in your 20s, you point fingers at everybody. <laughs> Somewhere after that, you start to realize, oh, crap, it was actually... You know, it was my fault. I shouldn't have parked there. If yeah. I didn't park there, my car wouldn't have been hit. Yeah. I shouldn't have been speeding. I shouldn't have been doing this. It was me, me, me. Yeah. And as soon as you can take that accountability factor in, I think it, it changes your life. It does. Yeah. When you stop blaming everybody else, it changes your life. Yeah. <laughs> stop yeah. blaming everybody else. Yep. And start being of service to everybody else. And know your stuff. Like, I use the term professional when I talk about myself in this business. I am a professional in real estate does that mean i don't mess up absolutely not you know it's impossible not to make s small errors mm -hmm. right but not like oh i forgot to write this clause in it's it's just the little tedious minuscule stuff that oh man a little oversight there i should have called them a, a you know half an hour ago but not like oh um yeah we didn't get the financing done and i didn't tell you for three days you know yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, afraid they're afraid to talk to somebody and tell me messed up yes that's, that's definitely you know it is kind of scary right to admit that you made a mistake to somebody who it is, is in their biggest financial transaction <laughs> but what's the alternative well you're gonna it's gonna happen and it's better in my opinion it's better that i come up front and tell you that totally. i messed up than it coming from a third party so it's integrity right like taking ownership is integrity mm -hmm. and when you actually have integrity in what you do and you work your tail off to just understand the profession because again there's so much in this business and so much of it is how to negotiate and learn all the tactics and what can happen and um, i don't know you know you've been in business for four years so you weren't really there when the foreclosure heyday was going on i was flipping properties at that time okay awesome. so, so you were so you were flipping but as a real estate agent not as a real estate agent. right so uh, as a real estate agent when you would get an reo contract back from well let's say it was chase or wells fargo whatever their forms right their their contract which would tack on to the purchase contract but also supersede parts of the terms of the contract if you didn't understand that contract or read it, it basically, when the contingencies came due, not like in the state of California, you have to remove them in writing, they would automatically fall off in an REO. So there were so many agents that didn't read the contract, understand how it worked, and you know, if it was, and they weren't 17 days, they were shorter contingencies on an REO contract. And so if you miss that date, oops. Tough. That's exactly right. So that's what I mean. Like so many people don't understand this business and the layers and layers of how deep it goes to protect your clients. And so many people don't read the contracts or the addendums that come with them. Right. So I mean, I love this because I correlated back to math class. Uh, when there's a word problem, 
they skip it. And it's a habit that they have at a younger age that just perpetuates down the line. Sure. So real estate agents get in the course, they get their license, and you should know the contract. That means you actually have to sit down and read And those ask pages. questions. Ask some ask questions. questions. Yeah. But they don't. Right. right. They fill in the ones that they normally fill in, probably copying a contract that they saw before. But do they know what these things mean? Yep. Do they understand? And then you're talking about the REO contracts. Well, guess what? You have to read those pages too. Yes, you do. And they're long. It's like an extra 10, 12 pages. It's not the funnest thing in the world. No. Right? And it's all the things that are built in there to protect the bank. Mm-hmm. There's zero for for the buyer. All You can't sue them. You can't anything. All you can do is get your defaults back if you terminate or there's a problem. Right, so, and, and like the term, what I was talking about with contingencies is either active removal or passive removal, right? So active removal is when you physically have to remove them in writing. Passive removal is when you miss your date. So you ask m- most agents if they even know that, they'll be like, what? Wait, what? Remove, what? Remove what? REO? Right, what? <laughs> right, so there's just, again, it, there's so much to know. The learning curve, it's it's a big one, but Really, if if you're gonna succeed in this business, you, you like anyone in this business can get in there without a real formal education and go make more than a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. You know, like where do you do that? So, do you seriously think that you can get into this business and go be like top in the country or top in your county or top in your city or top in your office if you have no idea how to do your job? No way. It's impossible. It's impossible. So it's well, that's why you have such a large failure rate. Because those little technicalities, you know, that one night that you sat up and actually read that whole thing and maybe highlighted some stuff and exactly. asked questions. Make notes, right? It, ask questions. It made the difference between you being in this business for two years, you being in this business for 10 years, or in your case, over 20 years. Yeah. Right? It's just that little bit. And that little, that little piece of nugget information that you got out of it might be the strategy that you use 10 years down the road that turns a transaction from a failure to a success. Or it also elevates the process for your client who's like, I want to buy a foreclosure property. Or if they want to buy a short sale property, right? Oh, there's only two loans on this one. What do we do? How does this work? How long will it take to negotiate? And most agents, especially in, in if they've come into like business in the past four or five, even six years, right? Six years is kind of like, there was still a good amount, but four or five years, you know, there weren't that many short sales and stuff like they don't know. They don't, they don't know what, what it takes to get an approval letter from the bank to say yes. And then there's a, a a timestamp on that too. And the second may not have have approved yet. So the first is approved, right? And now they're waiting for the approval on the second and the first letter is already out there. Like there's just so much that you have to know about this business. And People just think that they can come in this business because somebody's like, you probably sound nice to an Eskimo. You're really good. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, when I hear that, I'm like, have you seen them in battle? Have you seen that? As opposed to, oh, I'll, I, I negotiate, you know, at the car lot for my cousins. I'm like, oh, you don't even have anything invested in that. So, yeah, you can do whatever you want. Go to war. Let's see you as the, fr- the frontline infantry. How are you going to take, like, rockets exploding over your head? Let's see. It's a totally so, different ballgame. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you get in the trenches, let's see how you act. Right. 
All right, so uh, we're wrapping up on time here. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, let us know how we get in contact with you. And tell me a little bit about your show real quick, the one that you're going to have on the radio. The radio show? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, once once a month I, uh, I host our uh, Whistle Saturdays, so for our office. And uh, I'll just bring on uh, a variety of guests, typically two guests, and I'll just have them tell their story. So it's really for them. There's, it's not mm-hmm. about real estate. It's just to give some of these people exposure. And we have an hour of time that we go over. First segment, there's four segments. First segment, we just talk about whatever. Second segment is whoever wants to go first as a guest. Third is, you know, third segment, second guest gets to go. Fourth segment, I always tell everybody at the beginning of the show, while we go through this 12 minutes, when it's your turn, there's always going to be more. As soon as we wrap up and go to commercial, there's always something that pops in your head. So just let me know so we can bring that in the four segment. And then I just do a little bit of real estate talk. And then the co-host is a mortgage broker. So a little bit of mortgage talk. And we just have a great time. And, you know, they, they get to be on radio and they get to have some stuff they can repurpose. And I get to have real engagement with people. Same like this, eye to eye. Just, you know, spend 30 minutes what we're doing today, 60 minutes with them. But you get engaged. Yes. And that, that for me is everything. The engagement, getting to know that person or something intimate about that person in a period of time so i I thrive on that stuff i love it what's the show called and where can we hear it yeah um so they air on saturdays i believe at noon and it's on 1170 a.m the answer and 96.1 fm so it's on am and fm nice you know it's funny uh i can see myself in like 20 years (laughs) what as me building those relationships <laughs> heading in the right direction i mean you're describing your show and i'm thinking that's exactly what i do right <laughs> and <laughs> exactly what, what was the, the name reason. of the show did i miss that uh whistle saturdays, whistle saturdays. yeah okay. it was whistle wednesdays when we aired on uh on on the uh on wednesday but it's always pre-recorded and then they air on the weekend so yeah well, anybody who comes on the Business Bros podcast becomes a friend of the Business Bros. Cool. So, you know, I really appreciate it. And Absolutely. you are definitely going to be one of my resources. I can see why Ryan uh, said he should have you on the show. I mean, huge knowledge base. Plus, you're brokered with EXP. So uh, right. we're kind of family already. I appreciate that. <laughs> I also I teach at both real estate boards here for people that are looking to do lead conversion or what the business is about. I do live role play. So I just try to show people what this business is. So if you need stuff like that as well, just don't hesitate to reach out. It's my pleasure. I will. I will. And thanks again for being on the show. By the way, um, who do you think would be a good podcast guest? Is it just real estate? No, it doesn't is have it? to be just real estate. It's the beauty of being a business bro. Wow. I mean, there's there's a lot of... Uh, I Off air, you know, I can share a few names because it'll be more if you want. But, Perfect. Uh, but there's a lot of different great people that I work with that I think you should know. Perfect. Well, I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, oh, do you have a best way to contact you? Yeah, uh, you can uh, reach me directly on my cell, 760-300-9166. Again, 760-300-9166. Or email me at steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, at sdsoldbysteve.com. So SD like San Diego sold by by and then steve s-t-e-v-e dot com perfect all right ladies and gentlemen uh if you have any questions or you want to be on the podcast turn on at csfirst.com or if you have any insurance needs james at csfirst.com you can follow us on our social media at business bros pod that's all we got for you guys today peace bye-bye later and i'm out
Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you interested in being on the show? Are you looking to sell your home or have a business that needs insurance? Reach out to the Business Bros via email, businessbros at csfirst.com right now or click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe and share the podcast with the business professionals who you think would benefit from the show.